Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and today I have a very exciting interview because I am absolutely in love with the books of Jasmine Guillory, and I was privileged enough to get to chat with her and hang out for an hour. You guys, this episode was super fun, and we are very excited to be dropping it on her pub date. So happy pub date, Jasmine for Drunk on Love, which is out today, September 20th. And thank you, of course, to her lovely publicist and publisher for providing us a copy, which we just gave away to our newsletter subscribers. If you aren't subscribed to our newsletter yet, make sure you click on the link in our bios and get subscribed. We're doing giveaways every month. And I can tell you right now, we don't have all that many subscribers yet because we're building our list. So the chances are ever in your favor. If you're like me and you love Jasmine, you're going to love this interview. We talked all about her latest release. We talked about writing through the pandemic. We talked about having a best friend that you can just be petty with and how important that is to your life. We talked about Black Joy, Black Love. We talked all about her books and some of my favorite books and which ones I am absolutely to die for. And also what it's like being a New York Times bestselling author and how insane that is just in general and also certainly in your first five years of your writing career and you know making a joke about maybe like reserving a table and being like hi i'm jasmine the new york times best-selling author i'd like to reserve a table of course she would never say that i was the one who said that romance at a glance uh-huh. romance at a glance romance at a glance go ahead girl i am really excited that you're here because i feel like you exemplify for me like what a perfect rom-com book is like the the stories are contemporary in a way that I really enjoy where the characters all have like their own careers their own professions in the way that all me and my friends do and falling in love doesn't make them give that up it doesn't make them like change their base personality it finds someone who fits into that how did you like find that balance like was that something you always knew you wanted to strive for You know, when I started writing romance, I knew I wanted, I knew I wanted to write books where the people felt like, like, like you said, felt like me and my friends, you know, like I, um, I wanted to, first of all, I mean, I wanted characters that I felt like I could be friends with. Um, but I also wanted characters that felt like they had complete lives that were, you know, they had friends, they had family, they had jobs, like all of those things in, I wanted to like show all of those things on the page, um, in a way that made them like, feel like whole people to me as writing and also to people reading. And so I think, that's one thing that I sort of consciously went into it thinking more about more about who who the character would be and what they would feel like. Um, and then I think at least I hope that as I as I was writing characters like that, they they came to feel like, you know, like people like you and your friends, like people like that you could, you know, feel like you could be friends with and that were um, like whole people. Speaking of friends, uh, I was reading one of your essays that you wrote and talking about your friend, Amy. And I thought the thing that like struck me the most, I thought your whole essay was lovely about her, but you said that a lot of times your texts begin, if I can just be petty for a minute. And I I feel like it cannot be understated how important it is to have someone in your life that you can be petty with because everyone has those thoughts. And like Shawnee for me, my co-host is that person. I'll be like, look, you will not believe this. Let me just tell you, I, you know, I don't need, I just need to tell you. Yeah. And then I'm gonna let it go. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, especially, I feel like, especially over the past 
few years we've needed that because like during, you know, during the pandemic, everything, everything in so many ways was so bad. Right. But sometimes mm-hmm. you needed to complain about the little things. And it's so important to have someone that you can text to complain about something little and not have to say like, okay, I know it could be so much worse. Nobody in my family is dying, et cetera, et cetera. However, I'm really annoyed because, you know, like you can just start with, I'm really annoyed because like they yeah. know, they know, they know that you know that everything could be so much worse. Like you don't have to apologize to all of that or like you can be petty about the little things even in the midst of like so many terrible things. Like I think it's important to still be able to be petty about those little things. I totally agree. And I really liked in your new book, Drunk on Love, that like Margot's best friend, Sydney, like is that person for her? Like they're at the bar and they're like, can anyone hear us? Let's look around. Okay. One can hear us. Tell me everything. Because that for me is like, first of all, it tells me like who Margot is as a person. So I feel like I like immediately know her, want to be friends with her, like want to just like be a part of their friendship. Um, and also it's like, I have a hundred percent been Sydney and been like, you should, you should go over there and talk to that guy next to you that I sat next to you because he's so cute. Okay. You're welcome. Yes. I think we have all been that person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's my ideal. Um, do you, so you, you live in the, do you still live in the Bay Area? I do. Yes. Okay. Do you, like when you came up with Napa as your background, did you like go on a trip there and just think, oh, this would be a lush setting? How'd that come about? So it's funny because the background, like the setting for this book came, was the first thing that came to me. Um, I mean, I go to Napa relatively often and I have for years, you know, it's like, it's I mean an hour away with traffic, right. Um, for me and, um, my mom loves wine. I've like sort of learned about wine from her. So I go wine tasting with her, with friends. Um, I have friends who have a house up there. And so like, I spent time up there with them. So, so when the setting came to me, a lot of other things about the book came to me as well. Like, you know, as soon as I thought, like, oh, Napa Valley. Then I kind of knew, okay, they'll be set around a winery. And one character will be, you know, the owner of it. What kind of winery? Okay, well, it's a small family winery. That's more interesting. How do I do that? And so there was a lot that sort of came to me with that, that setting. Um, I definitely did go up to do more trips that were kind of more focused around research. Like I, you know, talked to people at wineries specifically about what the job was like, about, you know, how it is, what the beginning of the winery is like, how it was to run a winery. Um, I talked to people who, you know, I asked more like pointed questions when I was at wineries about like, how what it was like to organize this event or how how long have you worked here what did you do before that like all of that kind of stuff um but yeah so the research was definitely a lot of fun <laughs> i will say happy research yeah, happy. Yeah. i was just there last april for a family wedding and my cousin actually works at a winery up there oh. and the thing that made me laugh so hard is at the beginning when she's like oh we can't kiss on the street everyone knows me here because she talks about that all the time how like everyone has dated everyone because there's just not that many people who live there full time (laughs) and how like tourists will come in and they're like well if I need some like relief but I don't want it to be someone I know it has to be a tourist basically (laughs) Um, so I thought that was all very funny I love it Um, it. (laughs) yeah and it is such a beautiful it is such a beautiful place like it's such a 
like if no one's been there, listeners, if you've never been there, yeah. obviously don't go during fire season because that's yeah. terrible. But aside from that, it really is like a pretty uniquely small town considering how big the industries are. And it does feel like you're kind of in this like little hamlet or little hamlets of like cute shops and just everyone is drinking wine all the time. Like it feels very fun. Yeah. Lots of great food. Yeah. Lots of good food. Um, so your first, is it six? I think first six books are all have characters that are sort of interconnected, even though you don't have to read them in order. Um, did you feel like you kind of needed a break from that world or was it just that, Oh, Napa jumped out at you and you're like, I have to go over here. Yeah. So I knew when I was writing while we were dating, um, which is the last of that kind of uh, wedding date universe. Um, I knew that it was going to be the last one of that. I think partly because it felt like six books was a good amount. And that also felt like a good ending point. Um, and then I knew that because I had by the book coming next, which was, is, you know, the like, uh, Beauty and the Beast reimagining. Um, mm -hmm. And so I knew I wanted to do something different after that, but I wasn't sure what it was. Like I knew my first six books had been mostly set, you know, in the Bay Area or in the LA area. So I knew I wanted to go somewhere a little different, but I wasn't quite sure what. And then as soon as I thought like, oh, Napa Valley, like a bunch of stuff came to me about that. So I, um, I was really like that really was part of the inspiration of this book. And so I'm excited that, um, that I really got to kind of feel like I, I was bringing a place to life in my, in my imagination. How was it writing this book? Because presumably you wrote it during quarantine or during most of the pandemic, like, are you normally someone who writes at home? Do you like cafes pre pandemic? And like, how did that affect Cause I can't imagine like we had a hard time, but at least we were talking about works that were already done and trying to bring joy, you know, like yeah. by talking and laughing and making people like have a little lightness in their day. But I can't, like, it was definitely hard to work on our own projects to get out of that mind space and into like a, we want everyone to be in love, not like yeah. burning down the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I do often write at home, but I often also write other places and, you know, I, meet friends at cafes or, um, you know, write a different people, you know, have kind of writing dates with other friends. And so it was definitely weird to only be able to write at home. Um, this book I wrote when we were starting, things were starting to open back up again somewhat, but still only like somewhat. So I was like, you know, writing outside at some cafes, um, which is, you know, sort of comfortable, but sort of not, right? And um, so it was definitely kind of a weird time. Like, I like, and also because I think writing is a very solitary profession, but I like to bring in as much of like collegiality as possible. And so being able to write with friends or being able to just like talk to other people about what I'm writing, eavesdrop on, you know, what's going on or I get other ideas in my head is really important for me. Um, so there was a lot of like trying to find other ways to do that, you know, like having zoom calls with friends or, um, lot, lots of emails back and forth or group texts were very active, like things like that. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a challenge. 
Yeah, especially I read one of your things that you love to eavesdrop on people. And I, too, am an eavesdropper. It's my yeah. favorite, like sitting, I'll travel the world. And my favorite thing is to sit somewhere, maybe with some good food or a good beverage, and just watch people and just listen in on all their conversation yeah. and just try to figure out who's who and what their relationships are. Like, I eat that shit up. So I can imagine where, like, like things like that, like trigger ideas. So I can imagine yeah. that would be a tough yeah no that's definitely something that i missed a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, i want to talk about and just give you some props for a minute because i feel like people maybe don't understand like the amount of hard work it takes to get to a publishing just (laughs) the first book but also like you've been a new york times bestseller now for so many books in a row, like Reese Witherspoon picked you for her book club. Like you were on, you know, good morning or good morning America or which one of the, one of the morning big shows and like talking, like, what is it like to go from like reading and loving reading and seeing people whose names say New York Times bestseller to now, like, that's what your name says. Like you're no longer Jasmine. You're (laughs) New York Times bestselling author. Jasmine. (laughs) Um, it's weird. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because it happened gradually, but quickly, right? Like to me, it feels like, it feels like I'm still brand new at this whole thing. Um, my first book came out in 2018, um, which, you know, was, a five years ago now, I guess almost. Um, and so that like, I, I have both been doing this for a while and like it was just yesterday that I just had an idea for a book. Um, So it is like weird to me, but also really exciting. But also I feel like I'm not like, like my friends will joke about like I'm making a reservation (laughs) for like me and New York Times are selling all the jazz and I just laugh at that. Um, so yeah I mean like I love so much about writing and my writing career and I am enormously grateful for it and it also feels completely unreal (laughs) (laughs) like one thing I okay well actually before I move over just because we talked about Reese briefly your books got optioned into a movie obviously quarantine was a weird time for everyone especially the movie industry do we have are they like still in option are they still like trying to work out how to make them no news yet let's all keep our fingers crossed yeah okay fingers crossed because that would be <laughs> yeah. amazing i would eat i would consume that so quick yeah. <laughs> oh, that would make me so happy um especially because your books have such good like settings and the like the dialogue is so good so i feel like it would translate onto screen so easily because you know there's already like i feel like uh, i like that your books kind of drop you in the action like they start, they don't have like the like ramp up into what's happening. It's just like, kablam, it's happening right now. And then you like fill in the backstory as you go. And that's like my favorite kind of book because I feel like it treats me as the reader. Like I am intelligent and I can figure things out. And also like, it's more exciting to be dropped into the action and like be pulled, swept away and like pulled in. Um, so I'm excited well, thank about you that. so much. Okay. That's something that I definitely learned like, with the with the wedding date when you know when I wrote the first draft like the first at least the first chapter maybe the first two were sort of like long preamble and then as I was the second draft I was like no this is this is where the first chapter needs to be I can bring that I can move this other stuff to later because you want to start 
where the fun stuff happens and then you can fill in the other things. And so that's definitely something that I have that I learned as a writer um, is sort of where to start a book. That's, I think, an important thing to learn. And often we all have to like kind of write the beginning in for us and then and then move that to later, because I think I needed to sort of figure out a little bit more about who these characters were before before getting to the elevator. Um, But then you can move that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like why editing is so wonderful. Me and Johnny both come from like a production background and video and YouTube and stuff like that. And like we always say, like the what you shoot is not the book. Like what the first draft is not is not the book is not the right. video. You have to go in then and move it all around and edit it together and take some stuff out that you're like, I love that scene, but it's slowing it down. Got to take it out. Um, And then that's where you find like the whole book or the whole video in our case. 100%. Yeah. I mean, my first drafts are (laughs) long and messy and have many scenes and then they get cut or moved around or especially in this book, actually, I moved around so many scenes because there was so much that I was like, well, this scene needs to be here, but this is not, this is not the place for it. Or even like this conversation needs to be here, but I can cut the whole rest of the scene and put this conversation in another scene. And so there was a lot of that in this book. How, like, I would love for you to talk a little bit about, I know you've said this before, but about how you write a little bit every single day. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, I think this is one of the things about writing that is intensely personal and is about kind of how you work and how your brain works. Um, For me, it is, it really helps me to like when I start a draft to work on it every day Um, because I think for a few reasons, partly because like I'm just a procrastinator at heart. And so if like, if I don't do a little bit every day, then I will keep thinking like, oh, well, but I have so much to make up for. It feels it feels so overwhelming now. I'll, I'll move that to tomorrow and like tomorrow will never come. So just even <laughs> getting some of that done each day, whether it's, you know, a thousand words, 500 words, whatever, um, makes me feel like, OK, I got that done for the day. Like that is an accomplishment. I can, you know, check off that box. Um, but also, I think even more importantly, it keeps the characters and their story alive in my head. And so I'm constantly thinking about them for many more hours than I'm actually writing about them and figuring stuff out, you know, even if it's like, even if I had a bad writing day, even if I like tried to write a scene and it was terrible, or I only wrote a handful of words and I didn't like them or whatever, I'm still like for the rest of the day, I'm thinking about them and I will often have an idea or figure something out that I wouldn't have otherwise. And that like, that is part of my writing practice and part of what builds a character to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll frequently be like laying in my bathtub or out for a walk or whatever. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's it. That's how exactly. I solve whatever the problem is. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, because there's always something that I'm like worrying over in my head. Like there's a, a problem or something that's not working or something that I can't figure out. And it's having it in the back of my mind all the time that really, um, you know, my subconscious is figuring that out even when my conscious mind is not. And then I will understand it at a time when I wasn't even thinking about it. One thing I feel like your books do that I really enjoy as a reader and also as someone who's white is they give like, I feel like there's so much 
content, especially historically in like movies and stuff that are about black pain and not joy. And they're about seeing things that are terrible uh, or reliving those experiences. Um, and not about seeing like regular black people who fall in love, who have happy lives, who find joy, who have great jobs. And I feel like I grew up um, outside of Chicago and there were a lot of black people in my town. So like for me, that was normal because I knew them and they were around me and my friends' parents were doctors or, or whatever. And I love that your books are so popular because I feel like it's such a good window for people who maybe grow up somewhere where there are no black people or maybe their town is super segregated still and they have never had black friends. Um, can you like talk a little bit about how that, I mean, I know you're writing from like your experience and your, your friends and family, but how that sort of mission kind of came through in your books. Yeah. I mean, I think my goal was really just to write books that reflected the world that I see, you know, and so that feel like they are people who, um, the people who surround me, that they are, you know, someone that I could be working with or on the train with that day, or, you know, the, the other couple sitting near me at a, at a restaurant. Right. And so, um, I think I'm trying as hard as I can to reflect, you know, to make it, to make these books feel like real life. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit of a fantasy, but only a little bit. Right. And so, because yeah. I'm writing, you know, books set in the contemporary world that I live in. And so, um, so my characters, I think are just naturally going to be, um, people who, feel like me or my friends or, you know, people that I have dated or my friends have dated or whatever. And so um, I think naturally that diversity just comes out because that is, that is the world that I, that I live in and that I think about. And, and one thing I liked about this book specifically, although I've read all your other books too, is that you, you don't like ignore the fact that like, for instance, there's like microaggressions at work or at the winery, this like sort of like loud and obnoxious white guy comes in and is trying to like mansplain everything and just, you know, be annoying. Um, but you also don't like soak in it, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't overpower the romance. Um, did you, do you feel like that's something that you've had to like tone down or figure out in the edit or how did that balance work out? Yeah. I mean, I think that is something that, you know, again, like I want to reflect real life. And so that's something that happens in real life, but it's usually something, I mean, it's often something that happens and you'll be like, oh, that guy's so annoying and then move on. Right. Because yeah. those things do happen, you know, on a pretty frequent basis, but they're not the center of what happened in that day often. And so, so I, you know, I want to be able to tell some of those stories, sometimes in a humorous way, sometimes in a, you know, like kind of more realistic, oh, this was a pain, this kind of was a downer on my day way, but then also like not let it dominate. Um, and that is, and you know, that is my goal often in things like that. And sometimes like 
one of those incidents will kind of dominate a day and that's okay. And, but, but that is not like the center of my story is always these characters and their love story and their relationships, you know, with their friends and their family. Um, so I don't want it to take over a book. Yeah, for sure. How do you, when you're, when you're writing different couples, how do you decide how fast they should get steamy and then also like what type of steam because your books aren't closed door but they're not like aggressively explicit either yeah you know it really varies depending on the book and their characters um because like sometimes sometimes the characters I know will take a while to like and so you know with party of two right I knew that Olivia and Max would not jump into bed together right away. I knew because of like sort of who he was and who she was and the nature of their relationship, it would take a while. Um, Whereas like with, you know, with the wedding party, I knew that Maddie and Theo like had had this, you know, like had this history and that at the very beginning, they were going to have this like, are we sure we're all right let's do it kind of scene and then not sure like is that going to keep happening we don't know and so i i really am kind of thinking about them and their story from the beginning and so there have been some times when i've kind of written like the sex scenes too early and known that and then kind of pulled it back or or vice versa and so um so it's really thinking about each of the people individually and in their relationship and what it would be like um, that really kind of informs that. When you're reading, are you more of a fan of reading like a super slow burn or are you more of a fan of, you know, couples that are hot and heavy from the beginning? Um, I am a little bit of both. I mean, it is funny because in, you know, by the book, um, my last book was really the first like real slow burn that I have written. And it was so hard to write that well. And (laughs) so I had like a new respect for every writer I've ever read that has like done that slow burn. Um, And like, I think that's a real skill to like figure out how to have a couple kind of very slowly you know start a romance and then have that kind of relationship building um Mm -hmm. but i i read books from like sort of the whole spectrum dear romance besties if you want to support the show head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks including stickers watching movies with us naughty book boxes and you can even be on the show can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope-ass website. Thanks for the commish. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. I liked and by the book that, I know you said it's a beauty and breeze you're telling, and like, if you didn't know that, I feel like it doesn't slap you in the face, but once yeah. you know that, you're like, oh, because she's up in her tower, and like, you know, <laughs> up in her room, and all this stuff, um, and he's like, shows her the library, and seduces her with the library, and I'm like, yeah. all of us would be seduced with the library, <laughs> like, if my husband came home, and like, one day I walked home, and there was like, a thousand books in a room with a ladder, I'd be like, yeah, well, I'm uh, okay. the person up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, in, I'm into this. <laughs> Tie me up and keep me here forever. <laughs> I've got plenty to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I do I do think that that would be really hard because I feel like the it's just like tension the whole way like there nothing breaks it. you don't ever get to have the kiss or the you know oh we're in a closet and now we're gonna hook up yeah. with those <laughs> energy or just like everything is just like building forever yeah. um one thing I did want to say is I feel like changing where you are so like a, a, I feel like a lot of your characters have either like changed jobs or they move to a new apartment or maybe a new city um, or in her case, like she goes to her client's house. Like I, I feel like that change of like uh, it almost gives you permission to be a new person or to be who you want to be without the expectations of like everyone who knew you already. Have you had that in your life where you've like moved to a new place and you felt like, oh, this is who I am now? Um, I think a few, I think it has, there's been a real, real balance, right? Because, you know, starting like the feels like how it was, you know, kind of starting college, right? Cause it, mm-hmm. I, I went to a very, I went across the country. It was a, you know, very different place. I went, nobody else knew me. Um, so I've had that experience and, you know, starting different jobs and stuff, but also I live in the city that I grew up in. And so, now I, you know, if I like, I go to the grocery store and can run into like a teacher that I had 20 years ago or whatever. And so, um, so thinking like, I think, I think that has also made me think about that. Right. Because especially in, in drunk on love, Luke is coming back to the city that he grew up in. And so he has that sort of like, he is a different person than he was when he grew up, but will other people see him that way? He's not sure. And so there is also that balance, right. Um, In Mm -hmm. the, like you went away and you got to see yourself as someone different, but now other people kind of still see you as the same person. And so how, how do you reflect that? How does your relationship with other people change in that way? Especially with your parents, like with the scene where they're at the, was it like a flea market or something like that? And his mom says something and he's like, mom, and he's like, I'm a grown man. I'm like, why am I reacting this way? And yes. I was like, it's so true. Anytime yeah. I'm around my family, you immediately like slip into those familial roles Absolutely. and you're like, I don't want to be this person anymore. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Get it together, self. Yes. When you're writing, do you go like, because you've written a lot of books in the last four years or, or published a lot of books in the last four years. Do you give yourself a break? Like, okay, I'm going to take two weeks or a month in between books. Do you like immediately have the idea? And as soon as editing's over, you're like, bam, I'm on the next book. Um, it's been a little bit of each. Um, sometimes I give myself a break in between and kind of try to schedule when I'm going to start the next one. But like with Drunk on Love, I... I had sort of done that. And then, and then I started writing it before I had planned to, because I like had the scene, had the like first scene in my head and I couldn't get it out. And so I, like, I was still working on something else, but I, I was like, I I just have to write this down. And then, um, and then like a few days later, there was another scene that was in my head and I was like, Okay, I just have to write this down. And then finally I was like, I guess I'm just writing this book now. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I'll just go for it. And so so I think it sometimes sort of depends on the book and what else is on my plate. Um, and also, you know, it, what kind what I need in the moment. Um, so after Drunk on Love, I gave myself a good break because I, I needed some time. <laughs> We've talked to a bunch of authors about like how they got to their first 
like agent or their first book. But we haven't talked to a lot of authors about like, how does it work once you've already published a book or two books with a publishing house? Like, how does it work from there? Yeah. So, I mean, how it has worked for me is usually I will like, cause my, so my first two books, the one getting the proposal sold as a two book deal. Um, I had already written the the whole draft of the wedding date i had a synopsis of the proposal that i sent over um and so they those two sold together and then the 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 wedding party and kind of the wedding party sold is also a two book deal um it was not supposed to be royal holiday after that and that idea like kind of came to me and my editor loved it and so we made that the second book of that um deal but then you know because it was that was originally supposed to be olivia's book and then i was like what if um and then i had i wrote up like kind of quick synopsis of you know other book ideas and sent them to my editor and like those sold um as another chunk of books but also i mean the thing is like what those books became and what those synopsis were were very different. And so I think, cause I remember shortly, like shortly before I started writing, um, party. Yeah. Party of two. I had, um, I was at a conference. My editor was there. I had a quick conversation with her. Cause I was like, you know, we didn't talk about wh- which book would be next. Like I sort of gave you this kind of bunch of books, but we didn't, you know, discuss like whose book would be next or did you, was there something that specific that you wanted? And she said, I want you to write whichever book calls to you the most, like whichever one you're the most passionate about writing. And that was when I kind of realized that I really wanted to write Olivia's book, but the, the idea that I wrote up for her was not what I wanted to write at all. Like, and so, so I had like two weeks where I kind of had a new idea, wrote it up, and then sent it to my agent editor. And I'm like, surprise, <laughs> what do you think of this? And luckily they like they both love the idea and were super supportive. But that's also the thing. Like often, you know, ideas change and books books change. And it it's great to have people that I can kind of bounce ideas off of from the beginning and then just sort of dive in and and write the next thing. That's really interesting. Have you had the same editor for all of your books? Um, by the book was different because that was, that's through Disney. Um, but for the rest of them, yes. So that's been a really great relationship because she can like, she now knows me well and knows my writing and, and also like, we can kind of think of ideas and she's very patient with me, (laughs) which is exactly what I need sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And also it's nice because like you guys like uh, now that you've been working together you know like her notes you can read them in a way that's not like a new editor might come in and say something and you'd be like oh my feelings are hurt whereas yeah. like you you trust her process and you trust and she trusts that you're gonna like deliver on time and give her you know the good stuff yeah and also like sometimes she will say something in a note and i will come back with like you know i'll come back with the edits and i'm like so i know you said you want me to do this however I did this instead. What do you think? And she's like, great. That's the, because often it's, <clears throat> it's not that she wanted me to have this specific scene, but she need, she wanted there to be 
something different there or she wanted there to be a scene that explored x and i did that just in a totally different way than she had suggested and so we sort of can interpret each other in a in a great way now I want to say quickly before, because I know we only have you for a certain amount of time. I do want to say that I love Royal Holiday. Um, I love all of your books. I have read them all with joy in my heart. (laughs) They've all been great. But I don't know what it was about Royal Holiday that it really hit me in the feels like so hard. Because I first of all, I feel like there aren't as many books written about people who aren't young. Yeah. So I think partially it was that. Um, also, I just thought like Vivian was a badass and I liked her a lot, but Mal- the way that Malcolm, like, maybe it's cause he's so old worldly with his manners and like mm. holding the door for her, but then he's still like, Hey, it's going to get hot and heavy. Like, I just thought they were, I thought they were wonderful. So it makes me happy that you're like, I just had to write their book. Yeah. <laughs> cause I'm like, they were lovely. Oh, I love that. Thank you so time. much. I love them. Is there any question that you wish during all of these, cause you've done so much press now, um, you know, over the last five years, is there anything that you wish, Oh, I wish people would ask me about this. I could gush about this. Um, I'm sure I will think of a good answer to that question later, <laughs> but right now, no, I mean, I think we've had a, like, I love talking about writing and my inspirations and also sort of like kind of my favorite things. And so I think we've talked a lot about those kind of stuff. Yay. Well, thank you again for coming on our podcast. I know that our listeners will love to hear about you and your books and uh, everyone. Of course, I told you at the beginning, but to make sure that you check out her latest book on September 20th, Drunk on Love. And Jasmine, I'm going to do our little sign off. So dear listeners, until next time, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. Bye for now, kids. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.